Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking Truth with Camille. And today is literally the same day. Because <laughs> I wanted to get everything out while, I was, while it was um, still fresh in my mind. This is another segment of Bible study, and we are on Exodus. And while it's fresh in my mind, I just wanted to talk about it and get it out. Now, we're back in the Old Testament, the White Book, the Bible study. Yes, so. <laughs> Everybody knows Exodus, whether they read the Bible or not, because of Bob Marley. Exodus, movement of God's people. I don't know who Jah is, but we're just going to say God, you know, because, you know, I don't want to be confused with who I'm talking to. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the author, before the Greeks changed the Hebrew Bible, the first five books were all one book written by Moses called the Torah. Date. Moses wrote the book of Exodus sometime during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness of Sinai in between their exodus out of Egypt in 1446 BC and the conquest into the promised land in 1406 BC. Audience, Exodus was written to God's chosen people, the Israelites who were beginning to form a nation after being enslaved for 400 years. They had no sense of identity at this point and their mindset was more or less Egyptian by influence. Reason. Moses wrote this book to create a historical record of their escape from Egypt and the giving of the law. Theme, deliverance from slavery and the creation of a nation. Now, when people say, oh, slavery was in the Bible, slavery was in the Bible. But nowhere in the Bible did it say slavery was okay. Everyone had free will to do as they pleased. And they were able to enslave this set of people. But does it mean it was okay? I don't know. But um, key verse, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Sections, the early life of Moses, chapters 1 through 4, the plagues and Exodus, chapters 5 through 15, the Red Sea and the giving of the law, chapter 16 through 24, the tabernacle, chapter 25 through 40. The tabernacle stressed me out, <laughs> okay? Because I was just like, huh? What am I reading? I feel like everything's being repeated over and over again. What's going on? And that's just my honest opinion. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, what a doozy. It was intense. You hear me? I was like, the tabernacle. Whew. Sorry. That's from reading the tabernacle. It was exhausting. And that's just the honest truth for me. And maybe I need to take my time and really go through it, but it was just breaking down a lot of things. And I was just like, wow, this is intense. But I ain't mad at it because it's the word and I got to read it and I got to know it, right? Um, keywords, slaves, deliver, covenant, law, tabernacle, holy. Now, this one's pretty short. For the most part yep 
The first half of Exodus is all about God setting the Israelites free from slavery, while the second half is all about how they were to live now that they were free. There is a direct correlation to the New Testament here. God sets us free from our sin and then gives us direction on how to live by properly serving him. Genesis ended with a group of 70 people from the line of Jacob going into Egypt to be saved from a worldwide famine. Exodus picks up 400 years later and we see what was originally great for them turn into something terrible. Slavery. A new pharaoh entered the scene after Joseph died and he didn't agree with the blessing of the Hebrews. He wasn't dealing with a group of 70 anymore either. The Hebrews were multiplying by the time of their release. They had grown into a group of 600,000 men and women with women and children, estimating to be about 2.5 million people total. That seems like a massive multiplication when, the, when you first look at it. But we must remember that a lot can happen over 400 years. And can. <laughs> and did. <clears throat> In all of history, God really seems to call the qualified. But he always qualifies the called. Moses was a runaway from the royal court and had begun to be build a new life as a shepherd in Midian, modern day Saudi Arabia. See? Um, he no longer has ties with the Israelites. So when God tells Moses he plans, he immediately puts up a defense about why he isn't the right one for the job. It's interesting to see that Moses spent 40 years in the same wilderness where he would later spend 40 more years. God had prepared him for the task of leading the people in a way that he would have never expected. Not only did God prepare Moses and Aaron with Not only did God prepare Moses and Aaron with signs and wonders to prove the power of their God, but he called them both to obedience by telling them to approach Pharaoh. Instead of being amazed at the wonders of God, Pharaoh hardened his heart and ended up increasing the workload of the Hebrews on top of not letting them go. Pharaoh had a group of magicians that could call on dark powers and do many of the same things that God, that the God of Hebrews of the Hebrews is doing. We must remember that as our world gets darker, not all signs and wonders are from above. We should be praying for increased discernment every day. Moses and Aaron spent some time going back and forth with Pharaoh and his magicians performing different signs accompanied with the command of letting God's people go. The Egyptian culture was poly, sorry, polytheistic, which meant that they had God for every they had a god for everything and they would worship that god in order to have an increase in their blessing. Our God is so creative in his mockery. In each one of the plagues that he placed on Pharaoh and the Egyptians, it was an attack upon one of their gods. It was as if he was saying, I am God the Almighty. See, I have power over every one of your gods. Pharaoh's heart was hardened after each of the ten plagues. The first seven times he chose to harden it himself, while God hardened it for him the final three. That's because God allows us to choose our own destiny and may even help us get there. During the final plague, the death of the firstborn, God commands the Hebrews to sacrifice a lamb and spread the blood over their doorsteps. As God gave the angel of death free reign over the firstborns, he was commanded to pass over the houses that were covered by the blood. 
As the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, trying to get to the promised land, God fed them with manna, or bread from heaven, and quenched their thirst with the outpouring of water from two different rocks. Just as Jesus is our bread of life and living water, God sustained them the way, the same way back then. God always knew exactly what the Israelites needed in order to live a whole and holy life, in which he was willing to provide whatever it took. Yet it was their responsibility to accept it. The same is true for us today. We are responsible to accept God's direction and correction so that we are blessed with an abundant life. In many instances of my life, I thought that I knew what was best for me, but it turned out that God had a completely different plan. I feel like that becomes more and more common as people grow in their faith. And that's why a lot of us, I, someone said it the other day, they said, are you depressed or are you just disobedient? Whew, and that hit home for me because I feel like I'm very disobedient. And I'm like, okay, wow. I'm both <laughs> depressed and disobedient. But I'm only depressed because I've been disobedient to God and what he wants for my life. Trying to do my own thing, trying to date who I want to date, trying to work where I want to work, trying to do what I want to do on my own time when I want to do it. And not when God wants me to. God wants a certain thing for our life. And when we stray away, that's when bad things happen. And we wonder why. And we're sad and we're crying and we're mad. And, and we don't understand. But God is trying to really open our eyes and say, hey, you went left when I want you to go right. That's why this is happening to you. Get it together. And only then will things come together in your life. And nothing will ever even be perfect even then, but things will start to make sense. And you'll be able to roll with the punches much easier. And you'll be able to overcome things much easier. It's tough out here. But only when we do what God's will is for our lives will things get better for us. And that's what I'm learning, too. Um. One way that God tried to help the Israelites follow his plan to become more holy was to give them the Ten Commandments and later on the law. Before Christ, the only way you could be counted as holy and blameless in front of God was by following the law to the letter T. There was zero room for error. God knew what was best for them. So in reality, the law was a way of protecting them. Now it failed. <laughs> okay. I would have been in trouble because there's no way I could do that. Especially in the times right now, there's no way we're following the laws of the sea because we're going to mess up every time. But following the Ten Commandments is just the foundation of what is expected of you as a person who believes in Christ, a Christian. Based on what Jesus said about the Ten Commandments in Matthew 5, how can you look at each of them through the lens of the New Testament? That was the question they gave us. Um, I didn't really understand that question, so I didn't really answer it. I left it kind of blank. Um, and I did my own thing. Um, it's okay if you can't answer the questions. You might want to do more research, do more reading, and then you might have to come back to answer that question because you're like, oh, crap, I understand it now, you know? Um, but here are the Ten Commandments. Let's just go over them. Do not have any other gods before me. Now, a god could be anything. You could be, your god could be your phone. It could be your hair. It could be your favorite TV show. It could be your favorite celebrity. We don't do that. 
we want to make God the only God because he's a very jealous God and he doesn't want anybody before him. So do not have any other gods before me. Make sure we're focusing on God. Make sure God is first in our life. As much as I want to pick up my phone and check my notifications, I can't because I'm in the middle of doing something that's more important, having to do with God. I just came from work 6.30 in the morning. It is now 9. And I am doing my podcast episodes because that's what's been put on my heart. My heart and that's, I have the time now to do it. It's now or never. So do it now. Get it out of the way. Get it done. And then I'll get my rest. Then I'll do what's pleasing to me. But God comes first. So do not have other gods before me. Do not make idols. Idols can be anything again. Anything. So any figurines or anything, like any shrines or just anything. Like, I like Sailor Moon. I shouldn't have a Sailor Moon statue in my room that I bow in front of or that I pray to or that I chant to or that I meditate to or that I pray to. That's an idol. And you can look up the definition of these things yourself break it down to see if you have any of your own and it's saying oh oh my gosh he's my idol don't do that you should have any idols do not make idols do not have idols because again you're putting something before God and he doesn't like it because those people that you see as idols could care less about you for being honest do not take the Lord's name in vain. Oof. Working on it. Oh my. Oh my. And some of us say gosh. But I think it's too close to talking about God. You know what I mean? And when it says in vain, it's saying, oh my God, for no reason. Just because you're upset or you're mad or somebody did something funny or, you know, like, no. When you're speaking of God, when you speak his name, make sure you're about to have a conversation with him. Make sure you're addressing him. Because it's like you call your mom, mom. And she comes and she's like, what? Nothing. What you call me for? What a waste of my time. So that's what it means. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Do not say it if you're not addressing him and you're not serious and you're not asking him a question or praying to him. There's no reason for you to be speaking his name. That's my interpretation. Honor the Sabbath. Again, we don't know, I don't know if it's Saturday or Sunday. As I read the Bible and I get deeper in and I do my research, I pray to God that he reveals to me in some way, shape, or form which day is the Sabbath. And God is my witness. I will not work on that day. Now, I find days, I find time to rest. But a whole day that we take for rest that is dedicated to God only. I'm going to do that. And I pray to God it's Sunday because I'm accustomed to Sundays. Saturdays are very busy days in the beauty industry, in the hair world. And it's going to break my heart. <laughs> but I do what I got to do. Weddings mostly fall on Saturdays. So if someone books me for a wedding, it's on a Saturday, I won't be able to go. And I'm going to be crushed because that's my passion and that's what I love to do. And I want to be a part of my clients' big days. You know what I mean? And I would hate to change 
that. So I'm really hoping it's Sunday. Or maybe God just wants us to pick a day out of the seven days. Doesn't matter what day. Just pick one. If that's the case, I choose Sunday. I won't work on Sunday because I'm already accustomed to Sundays. But if it's Saturday, I'm going to have to do what I have to do. Because I want to follow his commandments, his laws. As best as I can. Um, honor your father and mother. Now, look up the word honor. Make sure you're doing exactly what that is. I tell people all the time, I'm like, we have our own definitions of stuff in our head, you know. But you want to look up the exact definition to make sure that what you remember it to be is what it is. And just so that there's no confusion and you know exactly what the definition is for that so that you can apply it to your life. Just like they have word of the days. You look up the vocabulary word and you add it into a sentence because now you understand what that word means. And you use it more often to the point where it becomes a part of your vocabulary and it becomes a part of your life. Simple. So honor your father or mother, whatever that means. Honor. Respect. I remember that word. Respect. I respect my parents. I don't always obey my parents. I'm not always respectful. Um, I fall short all the time. I'm spoiled. It's their fault. But I do respect my parents. I do love my parents. I forgive my parents over and over again because there's things that our parents do that we don't like. But forgive them, love on them. There's no handbook on how to be a parent. They're just going with the flow. They're just going, learning as they go. And you never, you're a mother and a father until the day that you die. So you're going to fall short. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do good things. You're going to make your kids proud at some point, but no one's perfect. So honor them because they're the reason why you're here. So I'm going to do the best that I can to do that. Um, do not murder. I'm doing pretty good with that. <laughs> Praying that I do good going forward because we're all capable of any type of sin. I don't care who you are. If you're a pastor or we're all capable of any kind of sin. So it's just who could take you there. <laughs> and I pray to God nobody takes me there. I'm trying to, I'm trying to have the least amount of sins as possible on my under my belt. You feel me? <laughs> Do not commit adultery. I ain't sleeping with nobody's husband. Thank God for that. Now, husbands have husbands flirted with me for sure. Is that a ring on your finger? Why are you speaking to me? If they hi, hello, how are you doing? Great words of encouragement, a compliment, something simple. If if you flirt with me, you don't got no business doing that. <laughs> You're married. But um, yeah, definitely going not going as far as being bedded by somebody's husband. Not me in a bed with you, you know. Um, so I'm good with that. Do not steal. Once when I was a kid, I was at the 99 cent store. There was a 99 cent store by a church right right around the corner. So after church, every Sunday after church, we would all the kids would go run to the 99 cent store with whatever money we had to go get candy and those things. And um, one particular day, I asked my mom for some money. Can I have a dollar so I could get something from the 99 cent store? And she was like, no, you don't need any sweets. And I was like, hmm, fine. And I went with my friend to the 99 cent store, and she was buying things. And I was like, 
I really want this honey button. So I took it. Well, I, I want to say it was a honey button, but I can't remember what exactly it was. We're just going to say it was a honey button or some type of candy. And um, I I started opening it to eat it in the 99 cent store. And um, the the owner caught me. He said, hey, hey, you didn't buy that. You didn't buy that. And I was like, now, mind you, I was really innocent in it, in the sense of I wasn't even sneaking to do it because I didn't realize you cannot do that. <laughs> you have to pay for it. If your mom doesn't give you money for it, that means you can't have it. So somebody came in from the church, one of the moms or one of the other kids came in to the 99 cent store to pick up some stuff for the house. And the owner knows, oh, I know you're from her church. She's stealing. She's opened that honey bun and she, and she paid for it. And she was like, I, she, you're lucky I don't tell your mom. I'm not going to tell her. But you, you just make sure you never do that again. You have to buy things. You can't just take it. That's stealing. Okay. Slap on the wrist. Learned my lesson. Haven't stolen nothing since because she threatened to tell my mama. And I realized on that day that that was not how things operate. How things operate. And that was wrong. So nip that in the bud. This is what they got to do when these kids, when they do stuff, they got to nip it in the bud. A lot of kids, a lot of adults have had things nipped in the bud when they were kids and they're doing it while they're an adult. And just doomed. Doomed, I tell you. <laughs> do not bear false witness, which is lie, basically. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I used to lie a lot, especially as a kid. Didn't know it was a bad thing. My mom never nipped that in the bud, for sure. I used to tell the greatest stories. I used to come home every day. My mom used to always ask me, I always tell people the story. My mom used to always ask me, how was your day? It was good. Did you do anything fun? No. And I got tired of saying the same thing over and, again, over, and over again. It was good. No. It was good. No. It was good. No. I was like, I'm going to spice this up. I want a good story. To, I want to tell a good story. I was like, when I tell you lunchtime was the time, oh, we learned this and that at school, but lunchtime, Britney Spears performed. NSYNC performed. Backstreet Boys performed. When I tell you every celebrity's been to my school, and my mom was just sitting there, driving me home from school, laughing it up in the front seat. Whole time I'm thinking she's loving, she's hearing the story and she's believing me and she's loving it. And she's just getting a kick out of it, laughing to herself. This little liar. <laughs> but she was just always excited to see who came to school today. <laughs> and I laugh because I'm like, girl, why you ain't shut me up and say stop that dang lying? <laughs> But, um, yeah, I used to tell a lot of lies, even to get out of trouble, like, oof. And you wasn't going to catch me in no lie, because I'm going to lie my butt off. And I'm going to remember my lie. I was a professional liar. I really was as a kid, teenager, up until the point where I no longer could really get in trouble. And it started to get less and less. And then I discovered writing. I've always been big on reading. and my love of reading turned into a love of writing because I was like, hey, I could do this too. I come up with some pretty good stories. Put that energy into writing my books. I don't lie. Every now and then I slip up. Someone asks me something that I don't tell all of the truth. That's considered lying. I exaggerate. That's considered lying. I withhold information and just um, maybe just say something because I'm embarrassed. You know what I mean? But I've learned, you know, there's no reason to do that. There's no point to it. So why? Why lie? 
People who lie just to lie, just because it's a part of their day, scare me. <laughs> and are capable of anything they say, right? But I'm so glad I broke myself out of that. And I found a way to, you know, put that energy into something else. And it's an outlet for me. And I love that for me. Um, I do have four published, well, three published books. I'm working on my fourth one, a children's book, and three other books at the same time. I just have to figure out which one I'm doing. But um, I finished my children's book. Just got to find an illustrator. So if you know anyone who could draw, hit me up. <laughs> but um, yeah, so do not bear false witness. But you can false witness all you want in a book. <laughs> you feel me? Put that energy into something positive, okay? Do not covet. Do not want what your neighbor has, basically. Or what anybody has. Do not want what your sister has, your brother has, your mom has, your dad has. What's for you is for you. If it's going to be for you, it'll come to you. There's no need for you to covet after what someone else has. That's when you end up stealing. That's when you end up killing. That's when you end up, you know, all these things you ain't got no business doing. Because you see, he got that, um, them, them Jordans you want, and he wear your size, and now you stole his shoes. Why? I know someone who did that. I think it's absolutely pathetic, but it, who am I to judge? It's not okay, is all I can say. But, um, you see, you want that man's husband, you want that man's wife, you kill him, and now you married his wife, because she didn't even realize you did that, that you're the murderer of her husband, because you want to get him out of the way so you can have her. Again, do not covet. Do not want what other people have. It's unacceptable and it's gross. Just saying. Okay, so let's get back on track here. There's two pages left. Um, Jesus sums up the Ten Commandments as a whole when he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. After receiving the Ten Commandments, God provided Moses with instructions on how to build a tabernacle so that he could dwell among them. The instructions were extremely precise, was it? Very precise. I was struggling <laughs> to finish Exodus because of it being very precise. Because it is impossible for pure holiness and sin to dwell among each other. Therefore, the priests and the, and the tabernacle were held to God's standard and nothing less. Once the tabernacle was erected, God's glory filled it from the moment the pillars of the cloud and, and fire were with, the, were with God's people as they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. God was finally dwelling among his people, just as he had originally intended with Adam and Eve. Today, God's presence no longer resides in one place. As much as that may sound like a bummer, that's actually one of the biggest blessings that we have. Because of the New Covenant, the New Testament states that we are now the temple of God seven different times throughout different scriptures. That means the Lord's presence is now inside all of us instead of stagnant in one location. It is wherever we are, which is amazing. Look at the diagram. Um, it gives you diagrams. Um, but it's just telling us to look at the diagram for the tabernacle. But um, the Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant resided and only... A sinless priest was allowed to enter once a year. The holy place where the table of showbread and incense were located where the priests prepared themselves to enter the Holy of Holies. The inner court where sacrifices were offered and people acted intentionally. 
the outer court where anyone and everyone could be. After knowing the standard that God held the tabernacle to before he was able to dwell amongst them, it should really make us think about the way we treat our bodies. In my opinion, believers should be pioneers in the health and fitness industries. Um, the tabernacle layout, I'll show you. A little back, it might be backwards for y'all, so probably pointless that I did that. But again, I'm telling you, get this workbook. It's so great. I, I absolutely love it. Um, final thoughts um, for Exodus. The book of Exodus is crucial for understanding the history that we have acquired through our adoption into God's holy nation. Also, every part of the story can be applied to our faith journey today, which is pretty cool to try and figure out. Okay, so I'll do, in the final thoughts, I, maybe I'll give you guys the question and my answer for the final thoughts for every book. So how can the teachings of Exodus be applied to your current walk with the Lord? My answer was, as long as we follow God, his law and commandments, we cannot stray or go wrong in any way. Never lose faith. God will always make a way for his people. And that's it for Exodus. And I'm telling you, I encourage you to get the workbook. It's really good. It helps you to study on your own. If you're not really doing it on your own, if you are doing it on your own, and if you do it in a group, you guys can all get the workbook and do it together and learn together and share ideas. I personally think it's good to do it alone and then come together and talk about it. That's what I suggest. Um, so you can have your own understanding and Zach can help you to understand. Um, and I don't know, if I had a church, I would totally encourage everyone to get the workbook um, and we all learn together and go step by step through the whole Bible. Because it's just very frustrating to me that churches, they choose a part of the Bible and they go on a sermon based off of that and then that's it. What my mom has done lately is she picks a book and she sticks to it and she does it. She was currently on Acts um, last month. Um, but I wish that we would just as a church go in order. Now, if someone new comes to the church and they're a baby Christian and they get saved or whatever, they have to pick up where y'all started at. But um, I think it's very important that the Bible be read in order that it's given to us so we can learn in the order that it's given to us and really apply it to our life and then go through and go to the parts that we feel are most important or need to be reviewed. You know what I mean? Or just go in a limbo. From Genesis to Revelations. And once you're done, start back to Genesis, back to Revelations. And once you're done, you know, just so that we're constantly reviewing all the information because a lot of people have been to church every Sunday all their life up, to, up until they're 100 and they still haven't reviewed the whole Bible. I don't know. Something about that just doesn't sit right with me. So I feel like more churches should go about the Bible in order and make sure we are, as a congregation, combing through the whole Bible, verse for verse, chapter for chapter, book for book, literally. This is my opinion. I could be wrong. But um, 
I'm just very anal about reading the book in order. So that's why I read Genesis a million times. So I was like, it needs to be fresh in my head and I want to read it and I want to get it done and I want to just get from beginning to end. That's my body telling me I need rest. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening to our Bible study segment here at TTWC. I appreciate you for listening. Don't forget to add us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe, like, and comment this video on YouTube, Camille Rohn, um, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere where podcasts are streamed. And don't miss any episodes. Um, everybody's going to be here for different reasons. Some people are not going to care about the Bible episodes. Some people are only going to be here for just the Bible episodes. Some people are going to want to listen to everything. Some people are interested in all my segments. Um, but I really do hope that you do, that you're encouraged to listen to all my segments and really learn me as a person and watch me grow as a person. And hopefully we can grow together. And I look forward to feedback. So leave comments, leave what you feel about the episode. Um, and I hope you are not unkind. And if there's something that I said wrong, correct me. I like criticism. It doesn't always feel good, but <laughs> I like criticism. And I like to be corrected. And I like to be told when I'm wrong or, no, tell me. I like to hear feedback. I like to hear back from you guys. So tell me if you're enjoying these episodes, what more you want me to do. Um, yeah. And I appreciate you. I love you. God bless you, your family, your friends. And I pray you get everything your heart desires and you live in your purpose and you get happiness, peace, love, everything that we deserve in this lifetime. Love you. And I pray God blesses you. And your life is amazing. Signing off. Camille. Later. <laughs>